Hello, welcome to Inected. This is Drew with Matt, and we are happy to have you with us. Inected is a digital community for entrepreneurs where we share stories, experiences, and ideas with one another to achieve our dreams together. We invite guests through InnectedPodcast.com and get together on Discord to build a broad network to learn from each other and find partners with similar mindsets. Come join Inected. Uh, hello, everyone. Today we have Mishka Oraxe from Pakistan, who is a winner from the Pioneer Tournament and is the founder and creator of ThisCodeWorks.com. Mishka, can you briefly introduce yourself to the audience and maybe share what ThisCodeWorks.com is, what you're trying to solve and build with this uh, project or company? Well, hello, everybody. Um, so, yeah, I am the founder of This Code Works. This Code Works was something that um, I started. I would say late in life because nowadays I feel you have to be a founder in your early 20s or teens. And so I started when I was like 27, 28. And so around about that time, I was, um, I was, had worked in marketing for a couple of years. I was kind of bored of my jobs. I wasn't finding a fit anywhere. Then I kind of started how to learn to code on the weekends. And then when I was learning how to code, I, at the same time, um, I built this project as one of those coding assignments, like a place to save all my code snippets. And that was this code works. At that time it was called Code Pages and uh, I couldn't get the domain. So <laughs> we switched. And so then I, I basically built this code works for like a, a project to learn coding on. And it was just this one. And so I built several apps before, like a travel app or stuff. Like, you know, you, you practice coding on this, but this one, I just couldn't let it go. And in this, there was something really cool about it. This is something that was just, big vision that I couldn't see in any other app and it just made me very excited I just couldn't stop working on it and so while I was working I discovered Pioneer and Pioneer has this amazing um you know um feedback thing like before like I was just building my own bubble and then once I went on Pioneer then you know you get weekly feedback from people every single week and then just made it more real and you know it made me realize it's not just me who's being excited like this is genuinely something that we're also excited by right and so and then bonus I won Pioneer <laughs> and then uh, I just uh, I just never stopped working on it since then. And so what started as just like a project to learn how to code on, it's now turned into a company and it's turned into like, um, at this point, I say like my life's work. I just absolutely love working on it. This code works basically started as a place for me to save code snippets that work for myself. It's something that I am building to turn into like a Pinterest slash social network of code, um, a Pinterest. Um, and when I say Pinterest or Instagram, it's because it's a place where you go and discover ideas or things you didn't know existed before. And I feel that's what's missing in, in, in the coding world. Like, you know, you know what to Google, you know what to search for on your final stack overflow, but you don't know what else exists out there. And I think that's what, what's really missing with code. So like, if let's say, like um, you do you do look for like a certain animation or something for a button and you do go and Google and you, end up, you do land on this code world, so you'll find other collections of similar snippets or other stuff by that same user and you kind of, you start digging into that world of code, just kind of how you do on like Instagram and other social network sites. That's what I'm trying to sort of build, and uh, that's what this code works is sort of in a nutshell. And I'm I'm pretty sure you you'll you'll get a lot of these questions, but I'm I'm not my background is not IT, so I just wanted to kind of ask what a snippet would be. Yeah, so I think like one way to think of it this way is like code or building anything or programming is basically different blocks of code. I said each block would have be like a command or a function. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting technical when I say function. Let's just say it's a command that tells the computer what to do when it when it's compiling. So I think so in this case, the code snippets are different functions, different commands. So when you isolate it, it can work by itself. But when you put them together, it creates this amazing program. That's what a code snippet is. Right. And then um, I actually did um, explore your website, which um, I also signed in, signed up. Um, 
but as, as a beginner, I'm, I'm not sure what your target audience is, but um, a question that I had was when I went into your website, I could see, I could type something that I want to search and then these snippets come out. But um, the first question is, is there, so I can see the codes, but since I'm not an IT person, I, I can't visualize what that is. So I was wondering if that was a feature that you had in mind, because for people like me, even if I'm uh, interested, it would be kind of hard to interpret those, you know, codes. So is that something that it's you funny because It's funny because a lot of users have requested that as well. <laughs> we like to have sort of like visual preview of what our code looks like. And so I, I am working on some solutions and solutions which will not cost me a lot of money because posting or, or, or running the code on the website will require a lot of processing power or like even um, saving images, like showing what the code looks like will also, you know, um, increase and at this point because I'm still trying to, you know, keep costs as low as possible and trying to figure out a solution where maybe I'll go like the Reddit approach where, you know, you host that on some other, on something else. Um, but right now I haven't, and it is, it is a much requested feature and something that I am working on. Stay tuned. Right. All right. That'd be really cool. And then the other thing was, um, was this built for mostly beginners or um, is it, are you targeting like, you know, even experts? I think, I think this is a great project because what I see is there's going to be updates every day, real time. So it's good for beginners, but even experts, they can't know everything, right? So if we could share these snippets, I think it would be a great platform for, for everyone. Uh, but I was wondering if uh, what your target audience was when you were building this and if that, ha um, you know, goal has changed. Yeah, certainly. Um, I definitely built it for myself. And so I was building for myself, I was, I was building in the mind, like, you know, other beginners or people learning how to code a place for them to save their code snippets. So that was definitely the target audience in my mind, but it's definitely surprised me. And my, you know, most active users are engineers who've been working for a long time. And it's not because like, you know, you're, you're learning to code and then you save. What's interesting about coding is that about, about the world of programming, there's always new frameworks, there's always new languages. So in a way, they're always learning. And so that's something like, you know, they're like, yeah, we're like, you know, they might've been an engineer for 10 years, but they're still learning. So that's one aspect of it, they're saving that code. But um, interesting, it's not even like, I, I've even got people on there who are like marketing professionals and they put like scripts and stuff up there. Gamer, gamers, I've had some gamers up there. They've put up some, I don't understand, some kind of cheat code. I don't know what they put, but they put something in there code related. And then I've even had people put in to-do lists in there. So it's really interesting how people are taking it up, how take, are using it. But um, I think even though I had built it primarily for beginners, my most active users are, are actually long-time engineers. And then I, I assume that you might have, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you had a lot of hurdles on getting to the point where you are. And I think um, since Enected, we're, we, we want to share um, you know, the hurdles and the journey to people who are starting uh, the company. So I was wondering what kind of hurdles you, you experienced uh, to get to this point. Wow, so many, and I really don't know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of time, so. <laughs> because this wasn't like one of those projects that you hear like a like, flappy bird, like somebody makes something, they put it out there and it goes viral. It wasn't like that at all, the Discord works. Like it took me a really, really long time to get where I am right now. And I, I sometimes even amazed at myself that, you know, why did I keep doing it when it wasn't working? Like for like, when I compare it now, and I know, now I know what it looks like when it's working for a year and a half it wasn't working there was like zero users people signed up and never came back 
and it was and for some reason it wasn't disheartening because I just you just keep going for some reason but it didn't work for a really long time and I and I think like one of the biggest indicators I was like looking at an at a survey I did like last January literally last January I sent a survey to all of you and by that time it also been functional for like about a year and I sent a survey to all of you so I was like would you recommend this to anybody and they hypothetically was that zero people said they would recommend this website to anybody so that was like and after a year of using it was so disheartening and now it's like run on recommendations. Like I would have to even hypothetically ask, I can literally see the data people are constantly recommending it. And so it's a huge jump from where I was to where I am now. And it was a lot of like, um, and, and I've never, I, I didn't even know startups or companies or how to build these things. I had no idea how coding, I was still learning to code while I was building this thing as well, remember that. And so the, it was a lot of figuring out like, you know, I kind of also had that, you know, uh, I just need to build this thing full of features, features, features. And then you kind of realize that it's not about the features. It's about the problem and what's what's the problem you're solving. And that took me a really long time to realize. And and then and the problem is like you may have one problem in mind, but you have to figure out what is the problem that what is the problem that users have. Right. And so I had to I, I also had to learn a huge lesson here. It's not about because I feel like, oh, I am the target audience. I know the audience better than anybody else. I could figure it out. And that does really help to a lot, certain extent. But you really need to talk to users. And that's been my biggest learning from this, that, you know, the more I talk to users, the better this product gets. And so especially in the beginning, I didn't have users. So, you know, I had to like find people off Twitter. I had to, you know, constantly post on Reddit and stuff. And so you'd get like a trickle of one or two users. And then the feedback wouldn't be so great. It'd be like, you know, your copyright year is outdated. Or like, it's like, oh, this isn't helping the website. And so it takes a lot. And then, and then I realized, and, and this is something I've realized now really late in the game. It's even about the questions you ask users. At a certain point, I was fed up, like, you know, I constantly ask users, what do they what do they want? And I'm building those features and they don't even come for it. And so like, and then I realized that I'm asking the wrong question. Like, you're not supposed to ask users, like, what do you want? You need to ask them, what is your problem? And then figure out how do I solve that? And so it's been a huge learning curve. But getting back to your question about the obstacles I faced, I think it was basically learning what to build and how to build, like what was the right thing to build, like, you know, and I think that's been my biggest problem, uh, struggle since the beginning. I still do currently, even now face it in different things, yeah. No, that, that's that's really great um, what you just shared. So um, you're, you're saying that basically you ask the customers what was not satisfying their needs, and then you got to know what their needs were and kind of pivoted um, your project or your your company, I guess. Is that correct? Yeah. Like, you know, so, I mean, I built this website, like the Pinterest of code, but then, you know, I kind of had to realize like, well, what is the motivation of like, why would somebody for the Pinterest of code to develop? It's, it's kind of got that egg, uh, chicken and egg problem, right? Like it has to be people first posting on it. So I have to first figure out to reel back, like what is the motivation for a single individual user to post at this time? And so what is the problem they're facing that will push them to post at this time? And so then that's, that's and so then that was like, you know, then it then turned to be like the stack overflow problem. People like, I have a hundred different tabs open and I find all these different codes and then you finally find it. And then, you know, you'll put it in a, in a notes app or something. You may not even do anything with it and you wait for the next time you Google it and find that purple link that you visited before. Like maybe that's where it was before. And so I had to sort of rethink like, okay, so people are, are you know, stack over for that or they get most of their code from Googling and stuff. So I built a Chrome extension and I have to make it instant and quick. And, you know, and then you realize like, you know, then code is the more I spoke to them. They're like, you know, time is a big factor. The least amount of clicks is a big thing. Like, you know, I just want one click that before it's two clicks. No, bring it down to one click. 
And so, you know, you, you the more you talk to them, realize that, and why is it one or two clicks? Because I realize that time is a big factor. They just don't have the time. They just don't want to sit down there and, you know, put this in a form. Because initially it was a form, right? Like, you know, go onto this code works and put it in a form. What is this snippet? Copy and paste the snippet in there. What is the language? They didn't have the time for that. And so that's why I built a Chrome extension to be a code extension. It's just like right click and save or a keyboard shortcut and just save. And so that's been from learning talking to users, I realized that, you know, how important time is to them. That's wonderful. I mean, <laughs> I would love to rewatch this part like 25 times because it's truly such too much, a lot of stuff. Thanks a lot for sharing this, like really. And uh, I will digress a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, I was wondering because it happens uh, to a lot of people and uh, I think I did not figure out yet why, uh, but do you, do you know, do you think you have a reason for why you like to code? In general? Why do I like to code? <laughs> um, I think one thing is like, so as I said previously, this was working in marketing and marketing is very much, anyone before that, I, I mean, so growing up, I definitely loved science because it's just so logical. There's rules, there's like, there's facts, right? And then after that, I sort of went and I worked in, like, in business and I worked in like, you know, uh, marketing and stuff. And that's very much like, it's a very trial and error and psychology and you know like what do people like or the colors even make an effect or like you know and, and, and there's so much you know like figuring out in that it's coming to code from that was like wow it's just so refreshingly logical like if I do a b happens right and so I just love that that you know it's just so clear like it, everything just clicks and um I, I don't know I, I guess I can't even explain it but you know I, I just love uh, when, when I code I just feel like the world sort of tunes out the 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 clock the the clock sort of disappears, the time disappears, and it just, you know, you just keep working and you don't realize time passes. And I feel like that's the biggest indicator of whether you, what you're working is something you enjoy. Are you looking at the clock? And so with this, I'm not looking at the clock and just time whizzes by. No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And do you think that, I mean, coding is, is a new thing. Uh, I met people like even just Drew uh, when he was young, coding was reserved to maybe uh, DOS or very big machines where you could not basically do anything. And it's such a creative and so, in a way, logical, uh, um, logical approach to things. And uh, I, I want to ask you, because I really want to know what you think about it, but uh, do you think that coding in general, all right, will, like the way coding has developed, the way has, everyone has access to code, and a lot of people are actually getting into it, it will change a little bit of uh, how we live in, in 10 years, 20 years from now. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting observation and um, something I have been reading up on as well. Um, I mean, I, I compared to my own journey, like I've, I have been wanting to learn to code for, from way back, like 10 years or eight years before I actually learned to code. It took me a long time because back then there was, I don't know if you know, in the age of the iPod, there's iTunes U, you'd get like downloadable Harvard lectures. And so like, I, I started since that time where I'd get like, I got like programming for dummies and stuff. And it wasn't really helping me. It was like, you learned if then statements and all that, but I didn't know how to actually build something. And I think that's been the biggest change. Like that's why this time around it worked for me because like now you can go on YouTube and you can follow a two hour tutorial and you go from like with zero knowledge of coding, you can build something, right? And so learning to code has become more easier now and more, and you're right. I and mean, previously you have to have like really powerful computers or like programs. And, and, and I remember like I had taken a course even back then I had to pay for like a Microsoft Visual Studio, some co program and the book itself was so expensive. Like it was a huge barrier to code back then, right? 
And now it's like, you can just download, and you can like go and rep play. You don't even have to download a program. You can just do it in a Chromebook. You just go on like, you know, in Google Chrome and start coding now, right? I've got people like non-coders and non-programmers using this code wars because like coding has become such an integral part of other um, industries and stuff. So it's, it is, so it's interesting, like um, it's, it's going to become as important as reading and writing because I think a certain point is going to come where you, to get ahead in your field, you do need to have some basic uh, knowledge of SQL or some database, you know, uh, maintain a website, whether they like it or not, right? And so there is going to be some trickling of coding, whether you like it or not, you are going to learn. And I think it's going to be for the better when you kind of know how the system works behind. Um, I think it's definitely going to, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I predict it's going to be definitely making us, you know, um, it's it's gonna help <laughs> it's just it's just been short i mean I, I can ask you one more thing uh you don't have to go to elaborate because uh it, it's a very deep it's a very deep argument but it's a very deep topic but um uh do you think that coding is gonna keep being such a human thing and creative thing as you say or uh will like will there be a time where coding is sort of uh, stops being a trend uh and maybe coding it goes back to just being a machines with like one or two humans which program machines to do code or will it just be here forever it's definitely here to stay i think there's no doubt about that but um uh, about it um is, is it going to be here to stay or is it just a trend i do feel in some ways it is a trend and um it was exciting learn to code and like you know Obama was on it and it was this whole hour of code initiative and it was like everybody was like learning to code right and Google had this huge program and then you know I mean Google like you know offered Udacity courses for free like it was this whole initiative like learn to code right and that's definitely happened um about it continuing I I do worry as well like I think one really good example was um when when the pandemic hit last year right and then Mark Andreessen wrote this really great essay, like it's time to build. And he was like, why is it that we're, you know, in 2021, we're the most tech and, you know, the most resources in the world. And like, you know, the USA was like suffering, like, you know, they couldn't even, they didn't have enough masks. They didn't have enough, like, you know, hospital equipment. Vaccines were like, at that time to think about even last May or last June, they were still like in such an uncertainty. Is it, are we going to create a vaccine? And no, it took almost like eight months to, you know, finally develop a vaccine, right? And so that really awakened this need that it made us realize that, there are other skills that aren't being worked upon. So whether it's in the health industry and manufacturing, manufacturing was a big, like that article was about like, you know, like why can't we build our own face masks because they don't even have factories anymore. They sort of off, uh, you know, offloaded all those factories, right? And so I think that's another, that that's really an interesting point that, you know, maybe we are concentrating too much on coding and because of that, other industries are falling to the side and that's not a good thing, right? Because like, I mean, I think the pandemic really showed that, that, you know, other industries or other skills do require the same amount of attention. <clears throat> right. um, I just want to shift gears and this is a question that I, I really um, am interested to hear from everyone, the entrepreneurs, but you know, when you find a partner, so I, I found Matt, um, it took a long time, but um, I was just wondering when you find a partner, what do you, what value do you look into? What, what do you prioritize, prioritize and, you know, to me, there, there's some red flags when I talk with someone and I know that it's not going to work. So I was just wondering how you find partners and what kind of red flags you have, um, you know, when you determine. Yeah, and I, this is something I have 
thought a lot about because I'm a solo founder and so I have evaluated other people like, you know, could you join in as a co-founder? And so I think one really good, um, one thing that sticks in my mind is there was this one lecture that was by Gug and Biani, the co-founder of, I think it was Udemy. And so he had this really good point that when you're looking for a co-founder, there should be this critical skills gap that he, should be, he or she should be filling, right? Something that you don't have and the co-founder should bring to the table. Technical, non-technical is a great example. One is technical, one isn't technical. But what is something that you don't have the other person can bring, right? And I think that's like the one thing, like you don't want to be two technical founders or two business-minded founders like you know I think that's one one thing you should look for is somebody um, who fills you who, who complements you skills wise but the second thing is as somebody you need to have a disagreement with them and see how how that works out like how how do you handle disagreements um I, I've, I've had co-founder not co-founder but like people I was like you know evaluating as co-founders and when the time came to like certain things that I didn't want to budge on or they didn't want to budge on it was pretty clear it wasn't going to work because we weren't able to negotiate and come down to a reason it was like well, I'm right. And they were like, I'm right. And it just didn't work out that way. Right. And so you have to, I think, so when I'm saying when you, when you have it, when you have a disagreement, do you both, uh, are you going to, are you willing to negotiate? Are you willing to like, are you and your co-founder willing to, you know, budge on certain items or like, I said, that's really important. You don't want two hot-headed people, but you don't want two people who are willing to say yes to everything either. This should be like a relationship where you can, you both have the power to negotiate. So I think that's my thoughts on, on finding a co-founder. No, no, I think I think that's a great point. Um, I mean, definitely, Matt and I, we did have some disagreements, um, but we're still here together. So <laughs> yeah, we we had some fights. Uh, I I took some <laughs> limbs of him off, and now he's agreeing with me. So it's fine. Right. Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> the <laughs> so. I know as a founder, you must be really busy, right? Because you have to take care of so many stuff. Um, and I was just wondering how you're, you know, as a founder, I think a lot of people would be curious to see what your schedule is as a founder, like daily. Right. Well, I'm not as good as Matia who wakes up at 6 a.m., but <laughs> <laughs> I do try and wake up on time by 8 or 9-ish. Um, well, one thing, my day, and it's 9 a.m., so it always starts with a morning cup of coffee. That's one thing for sure. <laughs> but I always try to... I think what I try to do is like, I don't have a schedule really. I just work on whatever excites me or is most interesting. And I think in a way that doesn't work because like things that, you know, like tax work or admin work, which are boring and which I just really want to push off. I really leave it to the end. And it does, it does have repercussions for doing that. That's not a good approach. But I think for me, it's just like, if you work on what's exciting for you, you, you continue to stay motivated, right? And another thing is I try to meetings, especially or Zoom meetings. And now I think we're constantly on Zoom. I always try, especially if I have the flexibility, to sort of group them together because there's something about the sort of when you're working, you need that flow. And so if you get interrupted by a Zoom meeting or another one, then there's something you do not want to break your flow. So I think that's one thing is that you should keep a certain number of days in the week back to back, not even like Monday and Wednesday, maybe Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, just for work or just for like, you know, working on your on your on your startup or your company. And so that that's what I try to do. So I usually have like so I always try with a weekend, either it's Thursday, Friday or Monday, Tuesday, and try to sort of re- just keep that just for work and try not to schedule any meetings at all and just work on whatever's interesting. I don't think you should have like a schedule or a routine. Um, just work on what excites you. Well, no, that, that's that's a great uh, phase, which um, is kind of hard for some people, but I think that is um, the most optimal uh, environment where you really work on what you really enjoy and as you said you don't even look at the time because you're enjoying it right 
Wow. Another thing I should mention is that um, I think it's really important to take breaks as well. You do not want to burn out. And I think we all do that. And I've done it myself. I have burnt out once or twice before doing this because you do enjoy working. You go, oh, this doesn't feel like work. I'm enjoying myself so much. You do need to stop and take a break. You do need to take a trip. You need to turn off your computer for a few days, read a good book, binge watch on Netflix. Don't feel guilty about binge watching on Netflix. I do a ton of Netflix. So I think it's really important that you do take your breaks and do take time away from work as well. It's, it's, I, I think just for your own self, you do not want to, you do not want to burn out basically. How do you know when you're burning out? Do you have that feeling that, you know, you feel exhausted or you don't want to do anything or how do you know? You just stop, you just stop working. You just lose all motivation. Nothing's wrong. Everything seems fine, but you just don't want to work. And that's, I mean, that's burnout for me. And it's happened at least two or three times while working on this. You just, you hit a problem, a coding problem maybe, or like, something or maybe maybe it's nothing at all but you just don't feel like working anymore and I think that for me that's burnout and I realize that I've, I've overdone it right right gotcha gotcha um and I just had a couple I think it's my last question but um so you have had a job and worked in a job and you're also now a founder of your project or company and um I was wondering so now you don't see yourself going back um getting a job right? You would mostly work as a founder, work on what you want and create what you want to do, I guess. Well, that, that's the dream. I am actually working part-time even now. <laughs> I have to keep supporting it. So, and, and interestingly, I'm working actually with Pioneer, the community manager. I do like a com some moderate some calls for them as well. So I do work on the side. I do have some part-time work as well. Um, yeah, I definitely see this contrast working for somebody else, working for yourself. It's so liberating working for somebody else an idea will take weeks to process. And by the time they finally give you their stamp of approval, by then your enthusiasm zaps, you're just like no longer interested, you're onto the next idea. I love how this code works. Any idea I have, I instantly execute and it's out there, it's pushed. And that's like the biggest, like my biggest joy working with this code works. Like I, I love work in the other companies I've worked for. I've been very lucky, I've worked with really amazing people and, and they've been great people, great bosses. I do enjoy working for them, but everything is just so slow. It takes so long to finally get something. And I do, I do want to help. I do have ideas for them. But by the time they review and, you know, nitpick at it, I kind of enthusiasm goes. And I think that's one thing that I love about with this, that, you know, you just instantly get working. Right. That's a great point. Um, you know, I, I also have a job, but I'm doing this on the side because I really enjoy it. Um, and I've been on a, on a number of startups. So, you know, as pioneer, I was a co-founder with, uh, Justin on Matrix, but it's 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 really different from a job. And as you said, it seems like you know, in a job, you could get this done in one hour, but because of the process, it takes a week, right? <laughs> so I, I I totally understand that. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, just one more question is now because talking about the job, it, people want to go to Google, Apple, these really you know um, high paying uh, positions. And was wondering if, if there was a company that would, you know, say that they'll pay you like six figures, like even seven figures. I mean, that, that's a lot. But would you take that and work for that company or would you still go and, you know, build your own uh, project or, uh, or startup? Well, I think one thing about large companies is there is a lot of benefits and they shouldn't be um, ignored. One is that you get to work in this environment of, um, highly ambitious, highly talented people. And that does, and, and you should, if you ever have an opportunity, that's why like cities like San Francisco, New York, or 
and, and that's why they work so well because there's this you know ex- insane energy there and buzz there and that's what you also get in like companies like google or like apple because there's all these really talented people there and so that's why you get so many great founders who are like ex uber ex airbnb ex apple because you know when, when there's something about the environment and i think in pioneer replicates that really well and so if you ever have an opportunity to work at surface i would definitely go for it um i mean you so you mentioned for the money and obviously money's a good bonus why not because like i am still trying to run this company and and i haven't started charging users yet but um i think for me it's more about being you know, the motivation of working other people and another thing about large companies is um compared to startups i my experience with large companies is there's actually less work and workers are slower there versus a startup where you're working every minute or small small smaller companies so with larger company i feel like you can get more i mean if you can work out a good arrangement and if some are really supportive of your of your projects but it, i guess it depends but for me i mean then it depends on how good the environment is that's great yeah that's a really good that's a really good answer <laughs> and uh, um all right we're getting to the end so i have to ask you some questions which are really crucial to me and to the people who are watching this and the first one is the most general one and is uh, is the if you were right now uh to lose uh, all of the like uh, money over survival right so you are at uh, maybe you are a college user a uh, college user you are a college guy you're a college student uh, uh you only have money to go to college to study you eat normal food uh, so you don't really you cannot really invest somewhere Uh, and also, if you were to lose your knowledge in the field that you have it right now, so if you could not do marketing anymore, if you could not do coding anymore, uh, so you had basically to start from zero, where would you be putting your efforts? I think I would, if I, if I had to go back to college, I would go for a degree or a field that interests you and, uh, and then take any opportunity to work and, you know, whatever skills you're learning i think it's really important that you instantly start using them um i feel like one failure of the education system is that they teach you so much theoretical knowledge and when you finally get into working realize that none of it matters like you're you're starting from scratch again and um i'm not so sure about computer science backgrounds but i mean i don't have that but definitely what i've seen from from i mean i i did my background in business and stuff and so when i went there it was just like the degree was just useless honestly for me to be honest And so I feel like what I would do is like choose a degree which will actually help you with your career will actually give you some skills like that's why I feel like uh, technical fields like the science or or engineering or uh, you're actually going to learn something right so if if you're going to go for that do that and then on the side start building maybe it's freelance maybe it's an internship take any opportunity you can get find a mentor find somebody who really inspires you and I think university campuses are a great place for that because you find all these interesting professors and they they could refer you to somebody So try and find interesting people and, and just like, you know, tell them I'll do an unpaid internship. Like that's something I did a lot. And I think I benefited the most is like, try to associate yourself with really interesting, ambitious, smart people. Try to get as close to them as, as soon as possible. Can I answer your question correctly? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't worry. No, no, no. There is no off track. There is no correct answer or wrong answer. And, uh, i mean that that was a really good answer absolutely and i mean education has been a like education and schooling has been a trend for now 300 years uh, and uh, with social media and entrepreneurship and all of this stuff it's kind of it's, it's kind of fading away 
uh, in a way. So it's it's sort of like it's not really the trend anymore. Uh, people, as you said, uh, they see the value of working and uh, they see the value of doing stuff, right? Maybe also learning from themselves. Uh, so rather than rather than saying whether it's a trend or schooling or not, I would say how would you change traditional schooling to make it uh, more uh, usable? Yeah, I mean. Well, I can only speak for, for Pakistan because I, mean, I studied over here, right? So um, one thing over here was that um, I felt like, I, I, and I, I, what I, what I, one, one thing over here is that when you choose a degree, you have to, you know, once you've like taken admission into whatever, you know, bachelor's degree you've decided on, you have to complete those four years no matter what, right? Whether you realize that one student that, oh gosh, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I really don't like this. I, I don't enjoy this. I want to change it, but you can't. I mean, it costs money. You'll have to like, you know, get out of, and so that's one failure here in Pakistan. And I, I, and I saw that in, in, in the US, you can change your, your major during a degree. And I think that's like, it's, it's, it's remarkable. I just absolutely love that. We don't have that here. So that's one thing I would change for sure over here that mm-hmm. when kids are confused. They can change it whenever they want to. And another thing is that, um, as I said before, definitely get them as soon as possible into working opportunities. Uh, because another thing is it's very different from uh, what you're learning. And, and, and when you finally go into the workforce, you may not enjoy it so much. I think it's very important that that happens. And, and if and if schools could like help and, and I and I realize that a lot of students do go there just for just for um, getting a job, right? I mean that's like the sole purpose why you're going to to college or to universities to get to get degrees, to get a job. But I, I really wish that schools uh, or universities would sort of make us realize it's more to you know life than getting a job. Because when I think back to my university, everything or every discussion was how does this lead to a job, right? There was never anything about like, how could you build your own company? How could you be the one giving out jobs? Or maybe not even a company, but if you want to become a professor or just work in research, like, like is there so many different things you can do in your life? But over there, it's just all about how could you work for other people? And so if that's one way that, you know, schools have sort of changed their way of thinking, like, you know, um, and, and encourage people to be their own bosses, I think that would really help. All right. No, no, uh, that's a very good point. That's a very, very good point. And uh, Drew, you wanna ask anything? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I just so I'm actually I just became a dad, so I have a little girl. Um, congratulations! Um, oh, thank you. So thank you. It's the best uh, thing that happened. Best thing that happened. Kind of exhausting, but exhausting. But but um, I really um, I really agree on what you say about, about university, university because, because, because I went to bachelor's. I also did the PhD, which was like a long thing, long thing which I really regret. I really regret it. To be honest, I knew that I knew that what I wanted to do. I wanted to do. But again, but again, I had to wait until a certain period to go to my next step that I wanted to work for. But right now, so if you had kids, like. Or maybe a younger sister, would you recommend um, maybe your younger sister to actually go to college and get that degree and go through that journey? Or would you like it doesn't matter even if she doesn't go to university? I think it really depends on on like when I, it depends on the person, right? So if if so, I mean, I do have a younger sister, and she is currently in class tenth. So she, I, I, it depends on, it depends on the person. So if she had found something, or she found a passion or some talent that she was really good at, I mean, I would just recommend that she just go straight for it, and you know, just cultivate that talent, that passion, right? 
But if they haven't found it by that age, then a university is a good route for them to go there and figure out their life and meet other people, right? But if you found it early on, I think there's nothing like, you know, just straight up start working on it. But at the same time, university has a lot of benefits in the sense, it's not just learning or picking up a degree, it's the people you meet, living by yourself. Um, I, I think that can't be replicated when you're still stuck at home or you're still like, you know, trying to figure out life at home, but then you get some direction and in that direction you get off track. And I think that should be encouraged to found something, leave, drop university and do whatever you want to, right? But I think it's really important that um, kids should be encouraged to find their talent and passion. And if they haven't, they keep going in the structure, keep going, and then eventually they will find it. Right. Um, my last. What are your thoughts for your daughter? Like, what, what do you have in mind? No, I, I also agree. So I tell my my wife. So my kid, she's just she's eight months old, but I start saying that I really don't care if she gets a D or an F, uh, because it means that it's not that she's stupid. It's that it's that she's not interested in that. Um, you know, space, right? So what I learned in the hard way is that if you find something you really like, you're going to, you know, you're going to do it anyways because you enjoy it, right? But at school, it's an education where you have to do this, 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 and you have to get this score. And that makes you look good because that's your resume, right? So in my case, as you said, um, if you find something that's passionate, go for it, right? Uh, but if you're still not in that state, I think um, a university is a great place where you learn stuff, but you meet a lot of people and that's a great resource, right? So I, I think I'm on the same page um, on that. And this will be my last I question, but- what you mentioned. Uh, uh, go, oh, ahead, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. No, but I think what you mentioned about finding a talent and your passion, this is a real feeling of our society or education system. I don't know who to blame here, but the fact is that we can't find it like it's such a it, it, so many people will be like I don't know what I'm good at even in the 30s or 40s they still don't know what they're good at right I think this is a real failing of our society like how do we and everybody is talented at something they do have something they're really good at but how do you find it that was my that's actually my question so I'm you know I still don't know if I'm good at I, I still don't know what I'm good at but I I keep trying to find what I enjoy and I think I'm at least progressing um, so I, I, you know, my life has pivoted a lot. Um, but my question was, how did you find your talent? So you, you, you went to bachelor's, you went to university, and then you kind of find your, you found your passion. How did you do that? It took me a lot of cries as well. Like I didn't know coding was my talent or my passion. Um, it took me a lot of, um, nothing interested me. Everything was, to put it bluntly, everything was boring. Like everything was too easy or like something was just like, so, so like business school, it was just, it was just too, it was just okay. Like I, I do regret even doing them, but by the same time I had great friends and great teachers there. So for them, I guess maybe do it again, but it was the degree itself was kind of useless. I didn't learn anything. Um, I, I went through so many different things because I couldn't figure out what I was happy with or what I was interested in. So I was like, I, I, did, I worked as a writer for a long time. I, I taught, I taught at the university as a lecturer for a while. And um, I, I, started, I went into research, I published a paper. I kept on trying different things and um, I even did design, I did some graphic design for a while. And so I kept on trying different things. And in the beginning, everything is exciting because it's a new challenge. You're learning something like, oh, this is pretty cool. But once it dies down, then, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not like, I'm, you're itching for the next thing to learn. So I think with this, I, for me, especially for coding, I think one thing is that you never stop learning. So I think that's why it really suited me. 
because I'm constantly, the challenge is constantly there, right? And so I think that's it for me, but it took me a really long time to keep on jumping from one thing to another, right? And then you also have these huge what ifs in your brain that maybe I should have done, you know, engineering back in college, or maybe I should have done computer science. And why did nobody tell me about this other field I didn't know existed, right? And this is so much resentment and what ifs when you're younger until you find it. I think like the only way you can do is just keep experimenting and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to also, you know, I think one thing is that once you get in the career path is you're worried about like, all this progress I made in this one company is going to go if I go and jump into another company or jump to another industry, right? And I think like one thing, like my father's constantly telling me that you're super young and I was my 20s. Like you can do all this. You can keep jumping from company to company. I have, I have a feeling, wow, I spent two com- years at this company. I don't want like, you know, waste it all, right? And I think one thing about your 20s, especially is you can take all the risks. You can keep starting from scratch. You're too young and life, there's so much life ahead of you. I think you shouldn't be afraid to take those risks. Right. No, that's great. I I think the other thing that I learned is it takes courage. I mean, you know, thinking of something is one thing, but taking action is another thing. Uh, And the third thing is people around me, they told me I'm crazy. So uh, I was fine with that. But I think it takes courage. And I I totally agree on what you say. And that's why I kind of really respect and admire people like you who, you know, went from the path and pivoted, tried tried stuff and then found their passion, right? So it sounds cool when you're there, but if you look at back on how you got there, that's that's a lot of struggle. So, you know, I just want to say, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, I admire you on, on, you know, any founder who yeah, makes it there. Um, so, okay. Um, yeah, I think um, that was all my questions. Matt, do you have anything you want to I mean, I would love to talk for two more hours, but I think I do not have uh, any specific question as of now. So, uh, um, actually, actually, one thing I could ask you is, uh, um, you know, Enacted, uh, like the project we're trying to build, is uh, trying to do two things. The first one is make uh, entrepreneurs humans. Uh, so, connecting each other and actually understanding that uh, we're human creatures, you know. Uh, you probably know. Uh, Point. Yes, no, no, that is so good because like I, I constantly felt it when I was reading up on Bill Gates or Steve Jobs that these amazing geniuses and whatever they did touch, you know, whatever they touched turned to gold. And then when I came out, like, damn, there's so much failure here and they never talked about this. Or like maybe they did have that flappy word viral experience and they never went through it. But and then you know what? It was interesting. I realized that after becoming a founder, when I reread those stories, there is stories of failure. There is stories where they're saying, oh, we tried hard, we kept it you kind of ignore it at that time, right? Yeah. You just so you keep running to the successes point. And then when as a founder, you really like, wow, they really struggled as well. It's true. <laughs> it's really true. But I mean, of course, as you said, you just see you, you like we're used to look at the things which en- which we enjoy. All right. We see something we don't enjoy, we just keep it. Uh, so with Enacted, what we're trying to do other than making us humans is trying to build a, a network behind people like us. Because, of course, again, uh, being able to talk with each other and actually communicate and discuss topics uh, with people with the same mindset is really helpful, at least for me. Uh, and as, uh, as Drew said, uh, when you're starting out, even just finding, finding partners, right? Like on Google, you can go out there and you can find uh, every single piece of code. On Code Snippet, you can find every single piece of code, right? Uh, uh, and. Uh, why can't we have a place where we can find every single entrepreneur to speak with, right? 
And so this is what this was our idea. And I want to, I really wanted to know your opinion on this, whether you like it, whether whether you don't like it, or anything else. Or any suggestions. It's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea because like um because like a lot of people and so I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are born from their environments. I remember one thing, one remarkable thing when I, I said I, I did a paper, so one paper I published was about entrepreneurs and like what makes them successful or like what, what are their traits. And one thing that kept on coming up, even part of my study, but what I found interesting off the side was that a lot of the entrepreneurs of this, uh, people I was talking to, they most started because like they were from a family of entrepreneurs. And like, you know, so they grew up in this environment where it was risk takers, it was normal for them. And so that's why it's easy for them to become an entrepreneur. And I, and I don't know if that, but that's my observation from what I, when I was talking to all of them. Um, and so, but that's, that's great for them. They have this environment, they know what it takes, they have people to consult. For the people who don't, like I personally do not come from family of entrepreneurs. Nobody in my family is an entrepreneur. We're very much safe job seeking people. And so, um, and as and, and Andrew said, like, you know, when you're doing this kind of crazy, you're going to leave your job for, for something that's not going to pay you money. You're going to leave all that years you worked at that company for something that you don't know is going to work out or not. And so you get these kind of, these kind of feedback, right. From, from, from an environment, which isn't used to that. And so for those kind of people, I would definitely recommend you tap into these sort of networks. And that's why Pioneer is super beneficial for me. Um, because like, for once I met my people like me who took risks and, 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 and I didn't feel like a crazy person anymore because like everybody else is doing it. Right. And then you see what everybody else is doing it. And they're getting successful and they're achieving their dreams. They're, they're finding massive, massive success. Or even if they don't, they come, they go to the second company, the third company, you see like eventually they do hit their, they do hit it. Right. And so I think for me, it's just like, you know, one is that, you know, as you said, it becomes more human, you see other people like that. But the other one is it, um, it, it makes you, it, it makes you realize that what you're doing isn't crazy. When you find other crazies like you it becomes normal. And so then, you know, you, you don't, spend so much brain power thinking am i am i doing something wrong you just start working <laughs> i think that's what environments like this really help you with that you just you focus on the important stuff rather than worrying about how am i gonna you know about my career and money and all that the, the, the environment matters and i think what you're creating is that environment and that really helps for people who don't have such an environment all right i'm done with questions uh it was a wonderful interview uh thanks a lot for coming with us and uh, thanks a lot for taking uh, for taking your time to participate. Um, and, one more thing. So, thank one you. Thing, so oh yeah, Mishka, would it be okay? Would it be okay? So, so on our, we have a Discord. Our, we have a Discord. Where we're, um, we're starting to invite starting to invite people. And if it was okay, if it was okay, we wanted to invite the guests to speak. The guests to speak. The interview. Interview. We have a guest role. We have a guest role. Justin on there. Justin on there. If you're okay, we if you're okay, we want to invite you. Yes, yes, yes. So people want to interact. People want to interact with the podcast. I think that'd be. I think that'd be a. Uh, great opportunity. Uh, great opportunity. For sure, sign me up. I'd be more than happy to. Yeah, definitely. would love to do that. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, By the way, this interview was so good, I didn't check the time. The time was by the look at the clock. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Me too, me too, really. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much really for your time. It. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for following. This was episode two of Connected with Mishka Rakte. If you enjoyed the episode and you want to see more similar content, you should check out our YouTube channel or our podcast profiles. Of course, after that, if you're serious about it, you should definitely come hang with us on the Discord. You're going to meet guests, other people like you, and you can have a talk with us. We're always open and we always love to discuss business and ideas. 
To find it, simply go on our website, inectedpodcast.com, or check our social media profiles. Have a great day and see you soon.